Outside, should I run and hide? How do I take my company worldwide? Do you love the law? Did you watch Hee Haw? What's the weirdest thing that you ever saw? What's it like in court? Favorite sport? Can you help with my book report? Is my hair too long? Am I right or wrong? And do you mind if I sing along to anything? Ask Alan anything in the world. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this uh, episode of uh, Ask Alan the Podcast. I'm Alan Crone, the CEO of the Crone Law Firm. I've got a very uh, uh, special guest with me today, uh, the mayor of uh, Jackson, Tennessee, uh, the Honorable Scott Conger. Mr. Mayor, welcome to uh, the podcast. Alan, thanks for having me on. I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, well, you're nice. I, uh, uh, you're, you're our second mayor, um, maybe the best-looking mayor we've had. I've had uh, Strickland on. And um, a lot of people say he looks like me, which I don't know w- which one of us should be offended about that. I, I think your hair is much better than his. <laughs> well, I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, <laughs> I've noticed lately I have less people stopping me on the street thinking I'm Jim Strickland. And um, I'll just put it at that. I, yeah. I don't know why that is. But, uh, uh, but, uh, but we appreciate, uh, appreciate you coming on and sharing a little bit about... Uh, how things are going in the city of Jackson. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm excited to, I'm always excited to talk about Jackson, Tennessee. Uh, that's, that's what, a, that's what a mayor should say. Um, okay. So, uh, how long have you been, uh, mayor Jackson? Well, gosh, uh, it's some days seems like 10 years, uh, but it's been about 19 months. So I took office July 1st, 2019. And, uh, you know, just about six months or so before COVID hit. And so it's, um, it's, it's lengthened that time, it feels like, but um, yeah, short time, but we got a lot done, I think, in those two years. Uh, I know uh, what you mean. I mean, sometimes it feels like you just got there, and sometimes it feels like you've been there forever, but you're still in that first term. Um, what's been uh, the biggest uh, learning curve you've had to ascend? Oh, gosh, I think it, there hasn't been a normal year yet for us. I mean, really, I think that's been the, the learning curve. Uh, we, we came into a budget that we didn't create, and so we there was a lot of uncovering and peeling back the layers of the onions when it came to our finances that, that wasn't done the way I would have done it or our current financial staff would have done it. So we were we were starting to peel that onion back and and understanding our finances and starting to do some long term planning, and then we get hit with a global pandemic. Um, you know, I wasn't planning for that in my first year. That was more like year three, four uh, <laughs> of the term. But uh, you get hit with the global pandemic. You don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. And so we're hopeful that starting into to year three that we can actually get some normalcy. We can get some, some there is no normal year, but normal more normal than a, a global pandemic year. So we can start planning. And uh, I think that's been really the probably the most fresh, frustrating thing and the, the biggest learning curve of, of trying to define what a what a new normal is today. It's not the same as it was last week or will be next week, and uh, how we can best long-term plan with such a short-term unknowns going on right now. Uh, and so we're trying to keep the long-term picture in mind, but knowing that uh, every day changes, um, especially when you get news from CDC and federal government of new guidelines and and how those things change. But still trying to get some some long-term planning in place. Well, 
folks who, who watch this show or listen to the show that aren't from uh, Jackson uh, may not know, and I don't want to embarrass you, but you, you are a, a descendant of uh, Jackson royalty uh, <laughs> I wouldn't go that uh, in the far. sense that you, a couple of Congress have come before you in that office. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so my, my great, great, great grandfather, uh, PDW Conger was mayor back in 1861 and 1871. Those were one year terms in, and then my grandfather was mayor from 1967 to 1989. And what was it like uh, growing up knowing that your grandfather was, was mayor of the city? Well, you know, I, I get a picture now of, of the way, the way I saw my grandfather's, the way that my kids see me. I, I kind of see that from his perspective now, because, you know, it doesn't really matter what dad does at the end of the day. When you come home, dad's home, it's dad. And so that was really, my, my granddad was my granddad. Um, you know, he went out of office, I was, um, I was six. And so, you know, growing up the first few years of my life, I, I remember a lot of times at City Hall, uh, going to press conferences and campaign events and things like that. Um, but he was really, majority of my life was former mayor, Bob Conger. Um, he, he did get, I think when he first took office back in the sixties, he had a former mayor tell him, you know, being mayor is like being a penitentiary. No one ever lets you forget it. They always call you mayor. So, uh, <laughs> he was always called that, but he was, he was always granddad first. Yeah. Uh, what was, uh, what was he like in terms of how did, looking back on it now, do you have a sense of how he approached the office? It very, I don't know if it's coincidental, eerie, but uh, my grandmother actually sent me an article from 1967 when he was elected. And I had never seen the article before, but read the article and it's a lot of the same things that, that I ran on, that he ran on, the transparency of, of getting our finances in order. And, uh, you know, he was, he was who he was, whether he was in the mayor's seat or at home, uh, he was a brilliant man. Um, he didn't mince words. If, if he could use, if he could say it in two, he wasn't going to use seven. And so, um, it, no nonsense. And, um, but I think that's, that's how he governed us, what people appreciate about him and, and the conversation I've had, the people that worked with him, uh, so they appreciated his, his upfront attitude. Uh, that they always knew where he stood and always knew where they stood with him. And I think that's important. You got to be transparent. You got to be who you are. Um, and uh, I tell people, I don't have the brain capacity to try to be multiple people. I am who I am. And that's, that's the way you have to lead and have to govern and have to operate. It sounds like he was a, a good role model, not, not just to be mayor, but to, to really do anything in life. That's a good oh, way to approach life. Yeah. My, my, both my grandparents, I mean, all, all four of them were, but, uh, yeah, my, my grandmother's still around and um, can, she continues to teach me lessons on a daily basis. Was joining the company business of, of politics, was that something that that young Scott Conger thought, oh, I'm, that's what I'm going to do? Or did that come later? How, how did you decide to go into public service yourself? Well, you know, I, growing up, I, I want to be an attorney. Uh, oh, and... gosh, I'm glad you I'm glad somebody <laughs> talked you out of that. Well, interesting. I was I was in college and um, I, I coached a, a Pee Wee football team, and it just I fell in love with coaching and, and just enjoyed it and did that through college and even did that after college Pee Wee football, and uh, got a history degree. Was planning on teaching uh, high school history. I went on went to two job interviews. Uh, they needed a um, they needed a teacher in, in different subjects. My endorsement was only in history, and so I didn't get the job. 
now I'm thankful and the, the students at those schools should be thankful too, because I've been an awful teacher. And so um, went into working in higher ed and started getting involved in uh, neighborhood associations, local level. And um, about, gosh, 2011, I ran for city council and was elected and served almost two terms there, moved out of the district uh, when we had our second child, to, but uh, served two terms there and got involved and, and really saw an opportunity, not only for Jackson, but for the mayor's office and see how Jackson can grow and how this position can, can lead that growth and be the catalyst of what we can do and, and bring Jackson into the 21st century. Well, you share that uh, experience with, uh, with my old boss, Jim Strickland, being on the council and then going to uh, the mayor's office. Um, does it, what kind of perspective do, do those two things give you in, in your job now? Yeah, I think it, you know, our, our form of government set up very similar uh, to Memphis. We're strong mayor, weak council is what they call it. And, and the mayor is the CEO of the city. And so I think it, it brings perspective of knowing knowing the intent of a council member, knowing the, the desire to want to add value and do good and be involved. And I think it's, it's helped us when we started to, to bring those council members that, uh, so we turned over, you know, counting my seat that I, that I left in 2017, five of the nine positions in 2019. So we had a majority of new council members. And so it gave me an opportunity to really reach out to them and know what they wanted, um, knowing that they want to be included, they want to know what's going on and get them involved um, much earlier than I got involved uh, in their term. And so that we could start collectively and collaboratively making the changes that we need to make. What, uh, what's the state of Jackson these days? Uh, I know there's a pandemic as you alluded to earlier, but uh, you, you know, to know where you're going, you kind of got to know where you are, where you're starting from. Uh, what's the state of Jackson, Tennessee? Yeah, I think it's much better than it was 19 months ago. Uh, you got to have money to do everything. And so we've, we've paid down some long-term debt. Uh, we've uh, reorganized and refocused how we spend our dollars. Uh, our three priorities are, are infrastructure, public safety, and quality of life. And then we ask ourselves three things every time we decide to do something. Is it transparent? Is it inclusive? Is it efficient? And those are the, those are the driving forces of everything that we do. And, uh, you know, the, the quality of life aspect right now is a little difficult because you can't have a bunch of people gathering. Um, and so we have some of our assets, our, our civic center that we've turned into a temporary warming shelter for homeless. We've had to get creative, uh, but we brought more people to the table. Uh, we're including more people in our decisions. Uh, we're doing things uh, efficiently, measuring everything and everyone with the same stick. And so um, just to give you one example, our, our first year, in the fall, we have a leaf service here in Jackson. So if you rake your leaves to the curb, we have a leaf truck comes by, vacuums it up. We got so far behind that uh, there was a Saturday that we, that we asked for volunteers in other departments and we went out on a Saturday and we picked up leaves. Uh, we did some reorganization, prioritization with our departments and we didn't have a single leaf complaint this year just because we made those priorities on how we strategically do things. And uh, I think a lot of the first, you know, I still do it now, but first 16, 18 months was me asking why. Why are we doing it this way? What is the reason? Can we do it a better way? Why have we not looked at a better way? And can we look at a better way now? And how can we do it better? Well, that sounds, uh, that sounds great. I mean, that sounds like um, uh, a prudent way of approaching your, your first term. I think uh, some politicians make the mistake of 
believing they already know what the solution is before they really understand the problem. And it sounds like your philosophy is to understand the problem first and then craft a solution. I'm reminded every day, I have two small kids and a wife, so I'm reminded every day of how little I know. <laughs> and uh, I carry that over into work with me. Um, what are some of the innovative ways that you're including people? How are you reaching out to the community to include them in this decision-making? And so one of the things I'm, I'm really proud of, and, and we've, you know, we look a lot at, at Memphis and, and what Mayor Strickland has done and um, had a conversation with him of our new website that we launched last year actually has a page on it where if someone wants to be on one of our several volunteer boards or commissions, they can go on and apply. They can give their resume. So we're actually finding new people uh, that are interested in those areas that those boards and commissions serve, bringing them on. Uh, we established an anti-poverty task force uh, to look at how we can alleviate uh, systemic poverty in Jackson. Uh, we've established a commission on aging, uh, a mayor's youth council, and so bridging those those two ends, those bookends on what we can do to serve and be an age-friendly community. Um, we have uh, several ad hoc committees that we're looking at, um, and so we've we've made sure that that whatever we do in Jackson is a representation of the people that we serve. And at the end of the day, that's the business that we're in is a customer service business. And we have to keep that in mind in everything that we do. Sure. Uh, it, it's two, 2021. So uh, we almost have to talk about uh, the pandemic and, and so forth. But uh, what are some of the, the bright spots or the success stories that you've had in Jackson dealing with the pandemic and making uh, lemonade out of lemons? Oh man, uh, there's a lot. Um, you know, I think the, the thing that sticks out in my mind the most is the relationship between the city and the county government. Um, it was rather strained um, when, when I came into office. And so this gave us an opportunity when, when we saw it coming and saw that before we even had our first case in Jackson, um, I got together our, our county health department, EMA, uh, county mayor, uh, United Way, school system, chamber, and our energy authority. And so we started meeting in our hospital system, started meeting every day. I think that really helped us all understand each other. And so what it has done across the way is open doors for different collaborations from nonprofit area to hospital, chamber. Uh, it allows uh, Mayor Harris, who's our county mayor, myself, we've, we've worked together a whole lot more than we ever would have in a normal circumstance. Uh, it's gotten us to know each other better on a, on a different level. And, um, you know, I can, I feel very confident and comfortable picking the phone up about anything, calling him. Uh, so I think that's the, that's the first step. And then you look at how that collaboration has really worked. Um, you know, we had to close down our public facilities. Well, um, when you get, we don't, Madison County doesn't have a, a permanent homeless shelter for men. And so we have a lot of homeless men uh, who have to brave the elements in the winter. And so we had our civic center that was closed. So in December, we had the opportunity to open that up for a temporary warming shelter to provide shelter for those men during the winter time. So looking at those innovative ways that we can utilize what we have um, to, to use them in a way that we normally wouldn't have, uh, but it, it gives a lot of opportunity. And you see people work together that in the past and in a normal scenario wouldn't have worked together. Um, and so those relationships are starting to form on a deeper level and it just, do wonders for us going forward when we have to when we get into some normal things you get to worry about the normal stuff like economic development uh it, we'll already have that that solid relationship to work on right and, and speaking of economic development uh you know i've always been very impressed with uh 
the, the rate of growth in, in Jackson, Madison County uh, over the years. And I know that that really hasn't, it's maybe, how would you care? I don't want to characterize it. Uh, has that continued to grow during the pandemic? Well, I think, you know, our, our economic development has, you look at just population, uh, we've always been a hub to West Tennessee. Uh, and so people come here to shop, they come here to work, they come here for entertainment. If you've ever been in Jackson, you know, the restaurants we have, they come here to eat. And so um, while was, you know, the population over the last 10 years, and we'll find those numbers out in the next couple of months of our census has probably been fairly stagnant. Um, the development around it of, of tourism opportunities of entertainment opportunities or uh, manufacturing and industry has grown just because we're we're in such a great proximity to all those rural counties who don't have the opportunity that we have um, i like to tell people chattanooga may have told people first but we were the first gig city in tennessee and so we have a great infrastructure uh, that uh, that allows people to to do those 21st century jobs what kind of uh economic sectors do you anticipate being growth areas for Jackson, you know, as we come out of uh, the lockdowns? So I, I think the opportunities are, are endless for us. We just have to capitalize on them. Uh, we have the, the infrastructure. I have a cousin who works for Google who lives in Boulder, Colorado. And, and every time he comes to visit our grandmother, he just, he talks about our residential internet service. Um, you know, obviously on the Google campus, best money can buy. Um, but the infrastructure that we have in place here, I think really gives an opportunity for those 21st century jobs. Um, a big sector, sector that we have is industry and manufacturing. I think that's still going to be our, our bread and butter, uh, but we have to look at how do we capitalize on the universities and colleges that we have here? How do we cultivate um, those young people wanting to stay here and want to be creators? Um, because that's, that's where the creation and, and being creative and that's where the, the economy is going that that brick and mortar retail um, is we see it fading faster than not than the pandemic I think sped that up and so we have to shift our focus and be able to be nimble and flexible on what kind of economy we want going forward. A lot of people in Memphis may not um, think about this but Jackson is uh, home to a, a good number of institutions of higher education you just alluded to that uh, Union University and uh, Lambeth, uh, University of Memphis campus, um, being the, I guess the two largest, how, how is, how important is that for, uh, Jackson growth, both economically and civically? Yeah, I think it's crucial. We have, we have Jackson State Community College. We have a, a technical college, Lane College, which is, uh, an HBCU, um, University of Memphis, Lambeth, Union University. And then we have some satellite campuses from UT Martin, Bethel University, um, yeah, it's, it's incredibly uh, important. We have to be able to cultivate those students, especially the ones that travel in here, because we want them to get here. We want them to like the, the city. We want them to stay and, and be a part of our economy and be contributing uh, citizens to our city. That's one of the reasons that we have the Youth Council, because we want to get those students who are in high school now um, invested in their city and see the opportunities that they have. So if they decide to go off to college, or if they decide to stay here, that once they graduate and once they're ready to start their careers, whatever that may be, that Jackson is a viable option for them. How is uh, uh, the University of Memphis uh, acquisition or merger with Lambeth, how has that affected um, Jackson specifically? It's uh, It's been a, a lifesaver and a game changer. 
I mean, just in all honesty, that was one of the first votes that I cast as a council member back in 2011. And at that time, I literally lived two streets away from the campus. Uh, my grandmother still lives down the street from where I used to live. And just thinking about a, a college and university that has been there for so long to go vacant and the, the campus to be vacant, what that would do to the center of our city. Because I mean, that campus is in Midtown Jackson. Um, and so the opportunities, not only for just preservation of the neighborhood, but economic development and, and what that brings to, to Jackson with the, the opportunity to work with Memphis. Uh, we've seen some development strictly because of students that have pitched ideas. You look at, you drive down Lambeth Boulevard now, and those, those tiger paw prints on the street, the, the bike lanes are from the presentation from the students did several years ago. Um, Jackson now is, is in a public-private partnership with the school system um, and uh, University of Memphis to build a, our Magnet High School on their campus. And so, you know, in essence, that'll be a straight feeder school for, for that campus as well. So that's it's brought along educational opportunities and economic development opportunities for Jackson. I, you know, I think the, uh, that acquisition was kind of a surprise to a lot of people uh, pleasant surprise, obviously, uh, because you really don't think of University of Memphis as being kind of a regional, um, kind of like the University of Tennessee with all of its many campuses. Right. It's more of a one campus deal. And uh, have they been good partners for for you uh, in um, developing that part of the of the city? Oh yeah, they've been they've been great partners. I think if you if you look at that area ten years ago. Uh, just the property values of that area 10 years ago compared to now, uh, those numbers just speak for themselves. Uh, you know, our houses, they're, they're selling 20, 30% above where they were 10 years ago. And um, that development is continually going on. Uh, we have some redevelopment areas there that we're focusing on, but uh, without Lambeth and the University of Memphis Lambeth campus being there, none of those redevelopment effort, efforts work whatsoever. And so uh, that's a, it's a huge cornerstone to our city and especially that part of town. Um, I know that there's a member of your staff who uh, sometimes refers to you as the mayor of West Tennessee. Uh, and, and, you know, it's, it's, it's not untrue that Jackson is kind of, as you say, it's kind of the magnet city for uh, a lot of folks in that area. Um, having said that, uh, I was wondering what your thoughts are on the, uh, the mega site uh, in Haywood County, and if you've got any updates for us on that. Well, you know, it's it's just frustrating for everyone. It is for me in West Tennessee on on what we've seen kind of flip flop back and forth on priorities. And uh, hopefully, uh, I think I've seen uh, or heard in the, in next year's budget there is some some plans to put in the infrastructure that's needed to get that site what they call shovel ready, which we've been hearing that we phrase shovel ready seems like for eight years now, mm -hmm. um, but it's important. And you know, it's my, my job prior to being mayor was CEO of United Way of West Tennessee. We serve 14 counties in West Tennessee. And so uh, that is crucial to the, the economy of West Tennessee and how we can, uh, if we can attract a large uh, industry there, then that, that changes the entire landscape. Do you, um... Now that's a that's a big employer. That's the kind of the home run ball of uh, economic development. Um, what's your philosophy on kind of homegrown? You you mentioned the before kind of makers, um, homegrown small businesses that can incubate into larger businesses. 
Yeah, that, that's a that's a have to, uh, and I think we've got a we've got a great thing going on here at um, in Jackson. It's called the Co. It's an entrepreneurial entrepreneurial development center, um, and we've we've partnered with them on several different endeavors, and so it allows people to start their small business uh, to to grow and expand. And we've seen some great successes there. Um, once we get out of where we are now and get some plans for our downtown, I, I have some thoughts and plans on some of our buildings on how we can utilize those buildings for some entrepreneurial centers to make sure that we're not only reinvesting in downtown, but we're investing in those people who want to create, who want to start businesses, uh, who want to hire people and, uh, and contribute to the local economy. Well, I can tell you that uh, back in the, I guess in the, what do they call the, the aughts, the, uh, the turn of the century, the 2001, 2009 mm-hmm. uh, timeframe, um, I had, was in a law firm called Cronin Mason uh, my, and my law partner was a good friend of mine, still is, named Miles Mason. And we had an office uh, in Jackson, uh, and it was right on the square. Uh, I guess the, I was looking at when I was in Jackson not too long ago, um, I noticed that it's now an apartment building uh, rather than an office building, but we had a, a sign right there on the first, the second floor. And uh, we really enjoyed uh, going to Jackson, and we really enjoyed the the business community that existed in downtown, even in those days. Yeah, I think we we've seen a lot of growth. We have that. We have the the real growth is across Highland Avenue, which is uh, Highway 45. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of residential area and some retail area, and so what we have to do on on the east side of that is make sure that they have a reason to come across the east side while they're living here, um, to live in those apartments and those houses. Uh, we have. A lot of opportunities for entertainment for for businesses and so um, once we see that normalcy kind of come back then hopefully we can start making those investments and uh, that we have some individuals and some small businesses now that are interested and they're just waiting on the right time to to launch well if uh, anybody listening is looking for um a, uh, a place in west tennessee to locate jackson is certainly uh prime candidate and uh, there's a lot there's a lot going on i couldn't agree with you more uh, spoken like a true mayor. Um, <laughs> you know, you know your job. I like that. Well, I'm I'm looking at my monitor here, and I'm looking at at uh, your office. Are you you are in the the uh, that the Lord Mayor's office there in Jackson, right? It, that, that's it. Yeah. Very nice, and and uh, you've got a fairly new city hall, which is uh, uh, a great building. And and uh, I understand that that your nameplate uh, is uh, is a hand me down. Is that right? It is. I was, uh, yes, it says Mayor Conger on it. And as I was moving offices uh, from United Way to here, uh, my grandmother lives a whole lot closer to, to the area of you know, where United Way's building is in City Hall. So I went over there to get some boxes while I was at work and uh, she wasn't there. And I was down in the basement. I just so happened to see the R on the nameplate and uh, I picked it up. I didn't even know he had this. And so I called her and said, hey, can I, can I have this? She said, yeah, there's a bunch of other stuff down there. You want us to know, I don't want any of his plaques or anything like that. I just want the nameplate and uh, got that. And this actually, the gavel that I use for, for council meetings belonged to my other grandfather, who was an attorney here in Jackson. And so uh, got some got some nice hand-me-downs. And I'm actually sitting at my, my grandfather's desk, who was mayor. Um, this was in another office. And when we did some moving around, uh, the person who had the desk retired. And so I brought it up here. So now I'm, I get to sit at his desk as well. That's uh, that's that's a great legacy, and you know you don't want to dwell too much in the past. But when you've got 
good role models like that. It's 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 something human about having a tangible uh, representation of of your your legacy. And I, I get to see him. We have past mayors of the 20th century on the on the wall coming to my office. And every time I walk into my reception area, I get to see him looking at me. <laughs> keep it keep it tabs on you. Keep it right. honest. No, that's great. Um, where did I don't think we talked about? Uh, did we talk about uh, where you did your undergraduate work? No, I didn't. I did most of my undergraduate work at Ole Miss. Um, and oh, I'm sorry I, to hear that. Well, it's, you know, God's country outside of Jackson. And uh, <laughs> my, uh, I come from a family of educators as well. Grandmother and mother are both retired educators. And um, about my junior year, my, my mom, who has uh, taught for 32 years, ruptured several vertebrae in her neck. And the doctor said she wore her neck out from teaching elementary school, from looking up, down, grading papers. She's actually grading papers at night. She ruptured the disc. Yeah. And uh, so she lives, has a little small farm, lived on by herself. And so I moved home to help her out because it was, it was the same surgery that Peyton Manning had on his neck. But, you know, we, we didn't want to go to, to Europe and do all the stem cell stuff. Uh, we just want to do regular old surgery and rehab. Right. And so um, we, I moved back home, help her out and, and was actually trying to figure out what I want to do next. And, um, and I talked to a person one night uh, about playing football at Lane College, which is the HBCU here in Jackson. And I said, yeah, I'd, I'd love to play. And uh, tore my shoulder up second day of spring practice. So I do what all great athletes do. You get injured, you retire. And uh, did my last three semesters at Lane College and um, thankful for it. Uh, and had a great mentor there with Dr. McClure, who's the president of the college and actually worked there for about five years after that and uh, did my graduate school at uh, Bethel University and got an MBA there. Who were, uh, who were, and I think if we all look back in our life, there were, there were important people that uh, really helped form who we are. Mm -hmm. And who were some of those people for, for you that, that really either changed the trajectory of your life or uh, really helped you uh, get where you needed to go? I, mean, I have to say my, my, my grandfather, um, both of them, where I lost my other grandfather when I was uh, young, you know, about 10 or 11 years old, but um, he was, I don't think I ever saw him upset. Uh, he was a real estate attorney and just was one of those people that no matter what happened, he always had a positive outlook on it. Um, he, he battled lung cancer for several years and I, I don't think I ever saw him not smiling. Um, and then my other grandfather that uh, uh, was with us until 2011, and I'll never forget in 2010 when I decided to run for city council, I uh, went and talked to him and he, he was suffering, he suffered from dementia for several years and moments of lucidity. And, and we were talking, he said, you know, I'll, I'll help you do whatever you need me to do to get you elected. If you run for the right reasons, if you're running to get your name in the paper or to be on television or to, to be known, then you get no help from me. But if you're running for the right reasons to serve people, then I'll do whatever I can to help you. And it always sticks with me every day that it's about serving people. Uh, and I think of Wesley McClure, Dr. McClure, who was the president of Lane College. Um, it just, I, I could go to, and, and he was, you know, we, we, he would give you the shirt off his back if he needed to. And he had football coaches throughout and, and managers of, I worked, you know, part-time jobs from like 16 on up. So managers spent a lot of time, probably spent more time in school, football field and, and work than I did at home. And so um, they had a lot of lot of impact and influence on me. How how uh, much 
of your formation came from playing organized sports and the discipline that can come from that? I'd say a lot of, I started playing organized sports far back as I can remember of T-ball and soccer and, and really got into to football, you know, fourth or fifth grade and, and played that through college. And so um, I think that you, you build that bond with people, uh, you get that discipline. And I think not only that, but, but you know, working, having me a child of a single mother working from, from age 16 on up, you have that discipline because you're going to school, playing sports and having a job. And so that, that creates a lot of discipline when, when friends are going out on Friday afternoon or Friday evening and, you know, I'm going to work. Uh, you know, then playing football on Friday night and going to work on Saturday morning was a lot of what I did during high school. And so I think that creates that level of discipline, knowing that you, you have a job, you have a responsibility. Sounds like uh, from the way uh, you describe yourself and your, your journey, your life has always been a, about service. You were looking at, at education, you got into education, you, you worked for uh, United Way and on the council and I was mayor. Why, do, why is uh, service so important to you? Well, I hadn't thought about it till you mentioned that. Uh, but it's, it's, it's been one of those things, I guess, it's, it's what my family has done. I and mean, that's, that's, if you look back, it's who we are. Um, you know, I can, even my, my, grand, my mother's parents, um, stories of, of my grandfather uh, serving clients and never charge them a dollar because he knew they didn't have a dollar. Um, and my, my mother and my grandmother are both teachers. Uh, grandfather spent a life in public service. So it's just, I think it's what I was raised to. We have a responsibility. We have an obligation uh, to serve people. And that's, that's what we're called to do. That's what God calls us to do. And um, this is the best way that I can find to provide my talents and, and serve people. Well, and, and I, not to embarrass you, but, uh, you know, I think that when you run across somebody who has given a lot of, of service, um, a lot of times you really, people lose sight of the fact that there's a lot of ways you could spend your time. And it, you know, you could just as easily have gone to be the CEO of a, of a big corporation as opposed to the CEO of a, of a city. And there's a lot more money in the former than the latter. Absolutely. But you, you, you do it for the, the reason of, as you say, that, that service is important. And um, uh, is there a, an effort that you have in, um, in your service that, that you're trying to, to show the next generation how to, to model that behavior to the next generation? That's my, probably not the best question. Yeah, I've yeah. Ever had. I, you know, I was also I was in Boy Scouts. I was an Eagle Scout. And so, you know, you're taught to leave things better than you found them. And I think that's if we can invest that in, in younger people uh, or even it, you're never too late to learn that lesson, I don't think. Uh, but, but leaving things better than you found it, whether that's a, a city, a neighborhood, a company, a, you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're involved in. I think that's that's what we talk about, you know, talk about our youth council of, of how can you make the city that you live in better? You know, what ideas do you have? What changes would you make? How would you improve things? Uh, never be complacent in, in where you are today and always look for that constant improvement process in anything that you're involved in. I have a, uh, a business coach that talks about big audacious goals, you know, setting big audacious goals. What's the big audacious goal for Jackson, Tennessee? Oh, gosh, I have several. Um, you know, we're, we're coming into our, our bicentennial next year. And so our, our county celebrates its bicentennial. This is how we celebrate ours. So we're, we're planning big for that. Um, our big audacious goal is to 
is to be the epicenter of West Tennessee. I mean, what, what we're considered now, but to, to grow our tax base, to grow our influence, to grow our, our tourism. Uh, we're trying to bring Great Wolf Lodge to Jackson. Um, we want a long-term goal for me as a, a civic center, convention center, hotel, um, uh, you know, that we can have large events and host events. And you know, I think we're primed between Memphis and Nashville um, to do that. And so we have to, we have to capitalize on that, I think. You know, also bringing Jackson in the 21st century. Uh, I think we, we're positioned great for, for a Google type uh, industry, uh, just because we have that infrastructure and we have the network here. And um, I think that we can do that and looking to the future of how we build and not just, not looking at economic development based on what we know, but get into that area that we don't know that we're not familiar with and be ready for the next thing. Um, you know, manufacturing is going to change. Retail is changing. Education is changing. Um, people are, are sitting in front of screens a whole lot more than we ever were. And so how do we capitalize on that and make sure that we're, we have positioned ourselves to be a part of the new economy and how we can really uh, be at the forefront of that. What is the new economy, as you see it, the new economy solution um, to the sluggish or uh, slow growth of economic development in West Tennessee in general. I mean, I, I don't think it's a secret to say, to say that West Tennessee is losing population, it's losing uh, jobs, and what can West Tennessee at large do to reverse that trend, do you think? I think there's several things, and, and one of those is, is having that voice and getting the attention from, from Nashville, from the, from the state legislator. You know, and I think the very immediate, easy thing that helps West Tennessee is broadband. You know, what we've seen through COVID is that internet is not a, a luxury anymore. It's a necessity. Um, it's, it's as much of a utility now as electricity phone service. And so that has to be treated as such as a utility and has to be provided. And, you know, while we can't run fiber to every house, there has to be options. Um, we have, you know, even in Jackson, we have places that they don't have the fiber connectivity that we're looking to provide Wi-Fi services for. Uh, but that's that mindset of, you know, you don't need internet. We well, do, you need internet. It's a utility, a most definite utility. Um, and we have to look at how our economy has changed. And, you know, not just I uh, get up and go to work at nine, get off at five or get work at eight, get off at five. You know, those days and time is not the same as it was. Um, you know, remotely working from home, being productive, I think measuring productivity as opposed to time spent. Um, you know, if someone's going to ride the clock out, that's, they're doing the same amount of work as someone doing it in two or three hours. But so I think switching the mindset of, of broadband as a utility as opposed to a, a luxury is, is where we start. That's a, that's a really interesting perspective. Um, because I think you're right. I mean, right now, I mean, people are going to school uh, on the internet. They're going to college and grade school and high school, and a lot of people are working. And if you don't have access to that, at least over the last year, you've been at a tremendous disadvantage. And and, and sometimes in in, um, in a position where you're exposing yourself to viruses. Uh, you know, we, we saw that with our school system here. We have a lot of, we're a consolidated system, we have a lot of rural schools. And um, those families that live out in Dugan, the county that don't have internet access, don't have a 
uh, Wi-Fi hotspots. So we scrambled and we, it's one of the collaborations we worked on to get hotspots and get devices to families uh, to be able to do their work remotely. And that's, um, you know, you look at that and, and we actually are, we have a city in the center of our county that has gig internet. You go out into the rural areas, those cities don't have it either. And so that, that's where it becomes crucial to provide that infrastructure. Uh, you know, as you may know, in the city of Memphis, we got uh, out of the school business, uh, funding the schools, uh, I guess, 10 or 15 years ago. Um, is Jackson still in the school business? How much involvement do you have with with the policy and operations of the yeah, school system? So none. We, we got out of that section portion of it in 1992 okay. uh, when we consolidated our school system. Uh, there's been some mechanisms of sales tax that we utilize that, that we help fund the school system. Um, I would make the argument that we're not in the school business, but we are in the economic development business and public schools are an absolute necessity for economic development. So that's why we've been a part of this public private partnership to build a new Madison academic, which is the academic magnet school for the school system. Uh, they were in a, a building now that I think, gosh, it's, I know it's over hundred years old. So uh, there's some needs for upgrades. And so we want to be able to plug in where we can to walk alongside the school system to provide opportunities, um, whether that's capital investments or just, you know, conversations. Superintendent and I have, have monthly meetings just on how we can partner and how we can work with each other. Uh, you know, we're looking at uh, financial empowerment here in, in Madison County and Jackson. So retrofitting a bus to go into areas to serve those people and, and how we can partner with the school system to do that. But yeah, operations we're out of, but the economic development school system is an absolute must. Yeah, I um, uh, can't imagine uh, what what we'd have done if we had to fund schools at the same time, particularly over the last four or five years with the uh, economic uh, problems we've had in Memphis. Um, but the, the, the flip side of that is it kind of takes the city council and the mayor out of being able to affect school policy mm -hmm. uh, directly. And so there's a trade-off there um, because people, as you say, people expect you to affect economic development. And the biggest uh, measure of that is the quality of your school system and the workforce that's being trained. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, it, I, what's the name of the TCAT in your area? TCAT Jackson. Okay. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've always thought that's one of the the best kept secrets in Tennessee, the strength of those TCAT institutions. Mm -hmm. uh, one reason I mention it is, uh, you know, it and it's usually uh, kind of customized for the area that it's that it's in. That which I'm assuming uh, Jackson has done. That have you had much interface with with that program uh, in Jackson? Yeah, so we, we've we've had several. Um, uh, Mayor Harris, the chamber, and, uh, and myself, and and the, all the, the college presidents meet monthly, and so we actually have a meeting tomorrow morning, and so we talk about the programs and and what goes on there. And yeah, they've they've done a great job. They're out at our airport, which is in the county, uh, but we've we've worked out with our public transportation that there are bus routes that run there, so we make sure that, that if anyone needs to get there, that they can get there. Well, that's very that's that's great. Um, I guess. Uh, so what's the prognosis for for Jackson if we if we get back together next year or maybe five years from now? Uh, what uh, where do you think Jackson will be? I think we, we make a lot of progress. I think we've already made a tremendous amount in the last uh, year and a half. 
Um, you know, we went from 28 year old fire trucks to replacing our fleet, getting new fire trucks in. Um, hopefully, we'll be on to some bigger projects, but we're, we're focusing on the basics right now of you know, our infrastructure improvements, repair is really where we are now. So five years, I'm hopeful that we're at, we're at the fun things of improving and building on things and not going and just focusing on the fundamentals. I think we gotta, we gotta get the basics down first. And once we do that, uh, then we'll be in a lot better position to do the fun things that we wanna do. Um, you know, if we're talking about finances to be able to do those things, uh, fiscal year 25 for us is it. Uh, our debt service payments drop in half. And so that frees up a lot of, of revenue for us to be able to do those fun things. And if it's building convention centers or if it's uh, invest making those investments, uh, that's where the opportunity lies for us. If, if we can get the, the basics done now. And um, I think just for us fostering that idea of innovation and thinking outside the box, you know, we're getting eight, seven new uh, fire trucks from innovative financing from our fire department. You know, at no additional cost. We're getting 31 new police cars for our, our police department, no additional cost. And so uh, empowering people, um, getting creative, and then being able to make those significant investments to attract people to Jackson to move here, to visit here, to live here, and to stay here is what we want. Well, that sounds, uh, that sounds great. Uh, last topic. Um, Jackson, Madison County uh, have uh, inside dining now, or wh where are y'all in terms of uh, open uh, uh, economy? So our economy is pretty much open. Um, we you know for there are precautions put in place, plexiglass barriers. Uh, we're encouraging a lot of our, our restaurants to do the six foot distancing. So that does limit their capacity some. Uh, we have a mask mandate through the end of the month. And, um, and, but you know, when it comes to our public facilities, uh, we have no events going on um, through probably toward the latter part of this month at our civic center, which is our main event space, uh, our, our fine arts center, which have plays or half capacity, everything else is half capacity. And we'll maintain that until um, we get to a point that we look a lot at the White House task force, their guidelines they give us. And so we'll look a lot at that too. We've Knock on wood, we're very fortunate. Last few weeks, our cases are relatively low. Uh, we're, we're probably 12% of our population's gotten their second vaccination. And so, um, you know, we're like everyone else, supply and demand. As soon as we get the supply, we can we have the demand for it. And we're just uh, cautiously optimistic of the future. Well, uh, whether it's this week or next week or next year, I look forward to uh, driving up I-40, stopping at exit 82 or 85 and uh, enjoying the hospitality that uh, only Jackson and Madison County can give. It's a great place. Well, we look forward to having you. All right. Well, Mayor, I sure appreciate the time. I know you, you're busy and I really uh, appreciate the taking the time out to, to chat with us. And uh, I thank everybody for listening. And if you enjoyed this podcast, and let's be, let's be real, I mean, of course you did. It was a great podcast. Um, <laughs> Please share it, uh, like it on social media, email it to your friends, anybody who would like to know a little bit more about uh, Jackson, Tennessee. Um, and uh, maybe we'll come back later on and talk about the history of Jackson and uh, all the other things that are going uh, on in Jackson and Madison County. Love to. All right, thank you. Thank you, Mayor. Good to see you. Say hello to all my friends uh, and enemies in uh, Jackson, Tennessee. Yeah, I sure will. All right, thank you, sir. Bye -bye.